That's a, that's a valid question. This morning, I'm going to come at it from the assumption that we should, that there are things that we should do as Christians uh, and as citizens of Canada here. Um, as Christians, I've been asking this, this question this week. How does our faith guide the way, the way we vote, or how should it guide the way we vote? How does our faith uh, guide the way we talk with others about politics, right? How do we talk about uh, politics with our friends, with our brothers and sisters inside the church who maybe disagree with us? Uh, how, do we, how does our faith shape the way we talk about politics or things that are going on in our society uh, with people outside the church? Maybe some of you are surprised that we're even talking about this today. Um, some of you maybe haven't given it much thought. Uh, how does our faith connect with the way we vote, the way that we get engaged in politics? Maybe some of you are thinking, well, Jason, why are we even talking about it? It's obvious if we're Christians, we vote for da-da-da party, right? Some of you might be thinking, uh, how do we get involved and stick together uh, as a church despite political differences? Scripture gives us some guidance for this, and I love the Word of God that even still, um, in new ways, each week it, I continue to find God's Word guiding us and shaping us and giving us a good way forward. So this morning, we're going to be starting with 1 Peter uh, his letters to the church in Asia Minor. Um, the church was experiencing persecution. The church was trying to live as Christians in a pagan world, uh, maybe something similar to the, what we might be able to relate a little bit to that. Uh, Peter begins by establishing our, our identity in Jesus, uh, his role as the foundation, the cornerstone of faith, the cornerstone of life. So let's get into it. This is what Peter says. So guys, watch this. Front row here, check this out. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. It says this, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. As I'm thinking about this first part of uh, second, uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, if you want to, you can follow along in your bulletins as well. Um, Peter's making this point, reminding us of our identity, that we are children of God, that we are a part of a holy nation. And I had this great, well, I don't know about great, I had a, a, a really handy um, uh, image for this, First, I was going to show you my American passport, which I have here, uh, thankfully still. Uh, I was born in the U.S., so I'm an American citizen. So guys, check this out. Okay, this is something you get when you're, you get to get it as an American citizen. Uh, if any of you see it, I have a Canadian passport as well. Uh, last year, I became a Canadian citizen. Tracy and I both did. And I would show you that one as well, uh, that I have citizenship in two countries. But more than that... Above all of that, I am a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus. And that identity is, surpasses everything else, my American and my Canadian citizenship. I'm going to be talking some about this morning about the idea that we are Christians first. That above everything else, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. We are Christian more than we are people's party, more than we are conservative, more than we are liberal, more than we are NDP, and more than we are green, more than any of those things, we are disciples of Jesus. It's troubling when Christians, or it is trouble when Christians begin to place their identity in a political party. Um, 
And I've seen Christians, sometimes well-meaning, uh, maybe they hadn't given it much thought, but where they'll say they'll associate with a particular party. Or they'll think, because I am a Christian, every Christian should be for this party. And they'll think, and I've heard people talk, like, well, everything that the party I'm for is good. Everything. You know, top to bottom. There is no mistakes in that party. And everything that the other party does is bad. And it's just not true. Uh, there are some good in, in each party. And it's interesting because sometimes people begin to think, well, God is for my party. And, uh, or God is against all the other parties. God has his own kingdom and it is above all of this. The trouble is, too, it kind of encourages us or sometimes we can misplace our trust in a, in a political party. See, the thing is, and you might disagree with me here, but as I look at our political parties right now for Canada, none of them, um, none of them do everything that the kingdom of God would do. None of them are the answer, so to speak. Uh, none of them have it all right. There's problems with each one. None of these parties completely align with God's kingdom and how Jesus would do things. Um, they all have problems, and part of that is because they are human groups uh, put together by people, secular attempts to try to bring about a good society. And I commend them for it, for trying to bring about good things in our society. The trouble is they're inherently um, broken, inherently fail, because it's based on human effort. And we, are, we have uh, seen the history of that throughout uh, Canadian history, throughout global history, of how that usually goes. All right? So what I'd like to do this, I'd like to have five young volunteers come up, please. Yeah, you're totally young, Steph, if you want to. You fit, yeah. Very young, yeah. Here's yours. Need another volunteer? Shalem? Marshall, come on up. Here you go. Let's see, anybody else? Uh, Hunter, you look, I can see it. You can just you can be a part of the next one. Okay, so these are colors. Uh, sorry, I didn't, uh, PPC was a little bit complicated because there's this white, blue, and red. Um, the other parties are very easy to, uh, to distinguish uh, by color. You know, it's interesting. What? Oh, really? They're purple? I looked online. It was just white and just said PPC with blue, dark, like this color, blue with red. Okay, thanks for that. Next time, purple. All right. So, you know, it's interesting. I have these colors here rather than party names. Because I remember uh, when I was in, uni actually in seminary, my, one of my professors saying, you know, the names conservative and liberal, like in the classical sense, like, those names have been so warped and twisted. He said we should just refer to them as the color of their party because they're not necessarily conservative anymore. They're not liberal anymore. They're just all these different things. So we have a blue party, the green party, the orange party, and the red party. These all represent you guys, everybody out there, you, most of you know which party we're talking about. What I'd like you guys to do is organize from this side over here from being the most conservative to the most uh, liberal over here. So kids, do you know, and audience, you guys can help them. Tell them which way to go. Yep, you can fill them out. Yep, go ahead and say. Any suggestions? Yeah. Right. All right. All right, so guys, scooch together a little bit. All right, so this is kind of the spectrum here of our political parties in purple. You can imagine, sorry, I didn't know it was purple. Purple over there. All right, so 
Sometimes it can be um, tempting to identify with one of these parties, to say, oh, I am green or I am red. Um, this morning we're going to be talking about something totally different. So if you guys want to, you guys can just set those down on the ground. I'd like you guys to come stand right over here. Let me move this. This is our party symbol, the cross. This is the party that we belong to. There's a, a, a biblical teacher, his name is Chuck Missler, and I love it. He always used to say, you know, he'd talk about political parties sometimes, and he'd say, I am a monarchist. We are monarchists. We follow a king, first and foremost. Even though we have responsibility and we uh, vote for particular parties, above all of that, we belong to a king, King Jesus. All right, if you guys can go have a seat, thank you. Yeah, good job, guys. Before any of us are blue or red or orange or green or purple, we are Christians. This is our first allegiance, uh, and this is the point that I'm making, or actually that, that Peter is making to these Christians in Asia Minor. He's saying, first of all, know your identity. Know whose you are. All right, uh, this should shape everything we do, how we vote, how we debate. Uh, we need to know our identity, that you are followers of Jesus. And you, uh, maybe, maybe a new idea for you, but you are monarchist. You follow a king. Okay, so Peter says, know your identity. Then he moves on. He says this. He says, dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, so again, we have an allegiance somewhere else, aliens and strangers here, abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Um, maybe even the desire to, to, to identify too much with one particular party or to degrade others that we don't agree with. He says this, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. As Christians, we need to honor Christ. Honor Christ in everything that we do, especially in politics and how we discuss them. Um, I want to encourage us, it's great for us to have convictions. It's great for us to care what's going on in our community and the society around us. But inside the church, oops, not yet. Inside the church, we need to speak graciously with one another, if, especially if we disagree, which... Uh, I know from conversations from all of you that I think just about, I think probably just about every party is represented in this room right now. People who have talked about, oh, yeah, I think I would vote this party or not. Um, that we speak graciously with each other. Um, it's okay for us to disagree because above everything else, we are followers of Jesus. So if we can agree on that, that gives us lots of room and lots of grace to talk about other issues. Um, and also, too, it's important for us to honor Christ by, if we do disagree as a church, to do it graciously because people from the outside watch us. And if they, if people think like, oh, man, did you hear what's happening up at the church? Oh, they're at each other's throats over politics. It is, uh, that is dishonoring to Christ. That is troubling to our witness. So it's great for us to have um, opinions, even strong opinions, um, but for us um, to be gracious with one another. Not only that, but how we talk with people outside of the church. And 
uh, the last couple of years, there's been a more discussion sort of in response to some of the things that have been happening in our world politically about this idea of civil discourse. And I'm wondering from the first two rows right here, does anybody, has anybody here heard the term civil discourse? Ellie, have you heard that term, civil discourse? No. Anybody else? Mackenzie, have you heard of civil discourse? You're like, no. <laughs> Who has an idea what civil discourse might mean? Caleb, do you have an idea? You have a sweet plane, but do you have a thought about... Marshall, do you have an idea of what civil discourse might be? Civil discourse is this. Civil, it's like a civil way of talking with each other. The way that we uh, talk with each other in ways that are respectful. Uh, and as we're talking about right now as Christians, in ways that we talk, about or talk with each other that honor Christ. Here's some, just some tips, okay? Here's how it works. One is that we focus on issues and less on people. Now, it's true that we have leaders, and it, I think it matters, the character of a leader. Uh, I think that's a really important thing. Um, actually, maybe for me, one of the most important things is the character of a leader. So we can speak honestly whether we think a leader might have character or not, but that we are careful that we don't uh, just run them down, uh, that we aren't uh, insulting to them, uh, but rather talk honestly, um, and especially if it's about their character, that we speak graciously. Uh, I know, know like every leader we have are human, uh, and so they all have flaws and they all make mistakes. I think I want to encourage us too is that as Christians, we have a way to speak about people, that we are respectful, um, that we uh, do our best to point out what's good, and we're gracious when we need to say something that is, that is wrong. And, you know, something that, um, that I've learned um, when I was in seminary, but also about when you're starting to evaluate books or theology, that a good approach is to, one, always speak graciously. I've seen theologians and pastors online do this well, and it, it's, it commends Christ, I think, when we speak graciously. The other thing is to affirm what we can. You know, if there's good, to affirm it. Um, and then when we do speak about issues, when we feel like there's criticism or critique is necessary, that we uh, critique um, graciously, and that we do it with, with the idea of being constructive. That we aren't just tearing people down. We aren't just insulting them because we don't like them or what they've chosen to do. But rather, uh, we speak, here's the problems with that. Um, and here's the issues, the problems with the issue. So, an interesting, uh, our interesting point of this, can you guys think of a place where we can talk um, graciously with people? Any ideas? Church, right, we can speak, absolutely, that's one of the first places. With this group here, in this room, there are different ideas about politics that we speak graciously with each other. How about you guys? Boys here, any ideas? Where can we speak with people graciously? Oh, wonderful idea, Shalem. Where did you ever come up with that? Yeah, I know, <laughs> I'm teasing. Right, on the internet, social media. Social media is uh, really like one of the places right now where there's all kinds of, I'm, sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's constructive, but most of the time it is, have you guys ever used, heard the word vitrolic? No. It means nasty. There's a lot of times on social media where conversation about politics is nasty. It's vitrolic. All right, so that's a place where we might avoid it. So now there's different approaches to it. My approach, I'm not saying this is the right approach, my approach is to avoid it. 
for numerous reasons, I have no, almost no engagement. I hardly ever post anything on social internet or social media. Uh, there like indication, I called it social internet, right? I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm not sure if that's actually recommended. I think it's okay. I think it might actually be good to, to be uh, engaged on social media. I think a bad approach is when you get sucked into the mudslinging and the, the vitrolic speech or the nasty speaking where you're insulting people and saying people are stupid or um, saying people are worse. Um, that is not something that we want to do as followers of Jesus. A good approach, again, is to speak graciously, affirm what we can, do our best to stay focused on issues rather than people. In a real way, because the reality is, in a real way, we need political groups to help balance us as a country. And it was interesting because I was talking with Dan uh, this week. Dan's pretty engaged in politics, uh, pretty interested in it. And he was talking about, we're sitting out here uh, after a meeting, and he was talking about uh, his experience when he ran for Calgary, or for mayor of Calgary. And they were in a room, and he was talking about different parties and stuff like that. And Dan uh, made this point that um, in Canada right now, the different parties are like of a plane. You have a left wing and a right wing, and he talked about one group being the 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 front and another group being the tail. And it's the point he made was that you need all the parties to, to fly the plane. Without a left wing, the whole thing plummets. Without a right wing, the whole thing plummets. I was thinking about it some, that you know, if you had a group that was mostly concerned about the economy, that they may um, focus so much on the, on the economy that maybe they do that at the expense of, say, God's creation. And you have another group that are so focused on the environment or God's creation that they might do damage to the economy to, to, to protect God's creation. We need both. We need both groups saying, well, wait a minute, maybe they're somewhere in the middle. So we do need each group. Um, the thing is we need to honor Jesus by the way that we engage in politics, the way we talk about it with people inside our church, our church family, that we are gracious and respectful, truth, speak the truth, yes, but always in love with each other, and by the way we speak with people outside the church. All right, so Peter moves on to this last bit here. He says, listen to this, guys. This is going to be the one that I think is, might be interesting for you. All right? He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to the governor, uh, governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, and to condemn those, uh, sorry, to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers, that means the church family here. Fear God and honor the king. I think in a word, you can say it like this. Contribute. Regardless of the outcome tomorrow, whatever government or situation we wake up to uh, Tuesday or whatever unfolds over the next week, um, we have work to do. Guys, we have work to do. It's important because we want to remember that God is sovereign over every nation, even ours, and that regardless of what party uh, uh, comes to power in the next week or on Tuesday, um, that, well, sorry, on Monday, but results we'll see on Tuesday. Um, whatever comes of that, um, God is still sovereign. God is king. 
God is Lord over everything. And so even the government that's in power, you might be thinking like, oh no, this is like this is the absolute opposite of what God would want. Um, regardless of what we think about it, it is God's, um, God is at work and God is working in that. Um, God will use the outcome for his purposes. So a couple things. If your candidate wins, great, but I encourage you to uh, be careful how you win, <laughs> to not gloat. Because um, it's interesting, if you remember in this passage here, um, Peter says, you know, when you submit to authority, do it for the Lord's sake. And so for the Lord's sake, if your party, if your candidate wins, then get to work. But also make room for people who, who didn't vote for them um, to be a part of what you're doing. Um, to not make it difficult for them to join in, in even if they don't always agree with, agree with everything. If your candidate loses uh, or somebody else's candidate wins, I would encourage you not to sulk. For the, lay, for the Lord's sake, uh, get to work. Join the others and contribute. Uh, not that we're blind to the problems or not that it makes it easy. Uh, and not to say that we might have uh, constructive criticism. Um, but regardless of what happens, that we join in. For even though we have different ideas, everybody in this room, we all want our community to thrive. And larger story also, we want Canada to, th to thrive. So tomorrow... Guys, I don't know if you guys are all aware of this, but tomorrow most of us are voting. I'm actually traveling to the I'm actually traveling to the U.S. today. Hopefully, if I can find my passport. Um, so I've already voted. Uh, I did that uh, last week. So, but most everybody else in the room will be voting tomorrow, guys. So as we join our community and vote tomorrow, uh, first I want to just say this: or a couple things. One, remember, um, know your identity, who we are that we are disciples of Jesus above everything, above any sort of political party. We are children of God. The second is this, is honor Christ. Honor Christ the best you can with the way that you vote. Honor Christ the best you can the way that we talk about politics with people especially in our church, but also with people outside or on social media. Um, third part of this is to contribute. Um, Standing on the sidelines, if it doesn't go our way, standing on the sidelines and throwing rocks at the whatever party it is does not help. It doesn't help anybody. It might make us feel better or feel like get it, that frustration out, but it doesn't actually help. Rather, get involved where we can and contribute, especially where we see a connection with whatever political party is in our community and connections with the kingdom of God. If they're doing things that help people that are consistent with Scripture, join in. This is the last one, the last part of it, and above everything else, uh, to be praying. For us to be praying for wisdom as we uh, vote. For us to be praying for guidance and also for our leaders. Um, but also be praying for our community. Praying for a community around us, in our riding, but also for Canada as a whole. That we would pray. And so kind of to help us with that, I asked Dan if he would uh, lead us in praying as we close this morning.